Welcome back to the Gold Card Podcast. It is episode 29, our first episode for the World Championships 2019 for League of Legends. With me tonight, as usual, John George at the Esports Plug. Let's go, boys. I'm hyped up. Let's do it. Chris Chung at Prime Time. Worlds is here, baby, and we are excited to bring you some good stuff. And soon, hopefully, we'll be Calvin T at Ruler Arsana. Hi, guys. It's Calvin. Hey, hey, I like underdogs. <laughs> All right. So we've got... Gaming. Yes. So World Championships are here. They start on Wednesday morning. Uh, the playing stage will start. Uh, we're, so we have a lot on the docket to cover tonight. But since there's only really like about 10 games that we have lines for currently, besides look-aheads, which we're going to get to later... We're going to spend a lot more time talking about just the general tournament for Worlds, um, the patch that Worlds is going to be played on, some news that's popped up, um, specific DFS angles that we want to talk about for um, you know just the whole tournament in general, and then um, we'll each give you guys a dark horse and some futures, and then we'll get on out of here. Alrighty? So... First of all, it's been a couple weeks, guys. What's everybody been up to? Everybody everybody watching EU Masters? Anything you guys have been dipping your toe into? Everybody been getting shit on in EU Masters? Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't understand that. I just... Uh... Oh, my lord, have I gotten destroyed on EU Masters. Is it that bad? I think I have one winning slate on, like, the entire tournament. I have... Yeah, same. One. <laughs> like, never been right about anything. Even just this morning, I was on mad tilt, because it was like... Look through the match history, like, ah, Mouse should take care of Big, no problem. Big, like, lost games to teams that have been eliminated. Mouse beat them in their own home region. Yeah, I, I think the, the meta game's fitting Mouse. Yeah, this seems great. Yeah, we'll, we'll lock in. Oh, they just lose 3-0. Just get stomped every game. <laughs> Their superstar jungler has, like, seven deaths per game. It's like, okay. Yeah, fair enough. I haven't I haven't watched it. Like, I've caught a little bit here or there, but, like, I haven't, I haven't really, like, watched it intently. I've been, uh... I would say deep, deep in the NFL vein, but uh, I've watched every game and I still have no idea what's going on. I, I mean, mean, it's a well, it's a welcome like intermission between like the regular like games and then before Worlds, but it it drained my bankroll, so I'm not too happy about that. I was gonna say, I will say it's kind of nice having like something because we didn't used to for like there was a long time where there was just nothing. Like it was just okay, you just had a month of radio silence and that was it, and like. Any news bit that came out, or any speculation that came out, or like somebody said some dumb shit on Twitter, like anything that happened just got blown way out of proportion because there was nothing going on. So, yep. um, I guess it's it's nice having something. And realistically, a lot of these guys are going to have jobs in the LEC. Maybe not a lot of them, but like some of them will have jobs in the LEC either as subs or or. You can tell who they are. You watch it like this. This is where a leader in that misfit squad came from, and you can see the guys here that are likely to get a shot. And I mean, I tweeted about it this morning. There's a guy that I think probably lost his shot this morning. A guy that was like highly touted. I bet he would have ended up like at least as a backup on an LEC roster. Average like seven deaths a game this morning. I'm pretty sure he's pretty sure he cost himself some money there. So, so like I mean, we'll just. You know, we don't have to make this into you, Masters podcast, but like you guys have watched it a little, like a lot more than I have. Like, who's who? who what's the takeaways from here? Like, pick, give me like two players that you think could be on an LEC roster or more if you have more, like next year. I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm going to tell you two guys who were going to be on LEC rosters before this tournament. 
that shadow from Mao's. Mm. Uh, I'd heard a lot of good stuff about him before this tournament. I don't think he's going to have a job anymore. And <laughs> Is that the guy Bando, that about this morning? Yeah. No. But, but also Bando from Fnatic Rising. Bando. I'd heard a lot of good stuff about him coming into this tournament, and he has also been terrible for the whole tournament. So there's a couple guys that uh, are probably not going to make their shot now. All right, so there we go. There's your uh, TLDR on. Dude, EU Masters is like four weeks long. It's like its own Worlds tournament. It's insane. Like, it's been going since playoffs. They have their own play-in. They have their own groups. They have their own knockout. Like just all of it. It's the it's end of September. Fun. This started like the end of August, right? This is a, yeah. it's a really fun tournament. I recommend people watch it, even if I got smashed this year. It's I recommend like, people. Watch it's it. got like a very NCAA tournament kind of feel to like, it, right? They they have it regular enough that it feels like uh, two like splits. They have the spring and then they have the summer. So it it the 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 difficult thing is we don't have no clue how they perform against one another because. They've been playing in their own mini region, which we don't get any like, news or broadcasts or anything. We just word of mouth and just reading articles. And it's pretty it's much fun to try to predict because all these teams come into it like they're all like twelve and zero in their home region. Yep. Yeah. And so you're just like, well, everybody in the whole tournament's undefeated all year, so who knows how any of them lose or why they lose? Or you have to go look at like their comps. And- Awfully familiar to a certain thing that we're going to be talking about shortly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's a warm-up to losing more money, but it's a warm-up. <laughs> yeah, maybe. We're, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that in a little dive bit. In. Let's too. go. So, um, there's your there, there's your EU Masters primer. Uh, so we had, and feel free to add on if you guys saw anything that I missed on. But like, so we had we had two pretty big news pieces this week. Uh, one of them was yesterday, I think. Right? No, two days ago. Um. The first one was that CB Max is not going to be going to Worlds with Griffin. Uh, as far as I understand, he's actually not going. It was an actual firing. It wasn't. Originally, when the, the, the article came out, there was some language that they used, and it was translated, and I was like, okay, maybe this means they're just not renewing his contract. But sure enough, he is not going to Worlds with the team. Um, apparently, they somebody – I think the scorer interviewed him, and uh, – it might have been somewhere else, and there was a disagreement with the CEO, and the CEO was not happy with the results because they got smashed by SK Telecom. I didn't personally; I didn't think they looked bad, but I could see how like a CEO that doesn't know what's going on looked at that and was like, "All right, you're bad, you're out. Like you've been trashed by this team in back-to-back finals. You're not doing your job, right?" So I could see that. Um, thoughts, comments, concerns on this? I know I have mine, but I'll let you guys chip in first. Yeah, I mean, we kind of discussed it before we got on here, but it's it's going to be a fight or flight thing, I think, for Griffin. As far as like, we're going to see pretty quickly if this is loosen the team up, and and or if it's discipline the team more. Like when a new coach comes in, you would think they're going to go either like, let's open it up and and you know use our our skill in the lanes and try to take advantage of that, or they're going to be like, we need. To, I'm a I'm a perfectionist coach that's about macro and being very careful and safe and playing well. And it might just be more of the same. I mean, they're not, it's not like they're bringing in like, you know, the coach of OMG to coach for him. I mean, it's a guy that's been around, so they might not change much at all, but I'm going to try to figure out that right now. Cause I don't know who they promoted off the top of my head. Let me take a look. Look like, I mean, you can look at to the league PD as well, but yeah, um, it's interesting because I, 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 
don't know. I haven't been watching as many worlds as you guys, but I don't think we've known coaches to be not joining the team as they hit into the biggest stage before. I'm trying to think of who somebody. There have been a couple situations like this over the years. I'm trying. I don't remember off the top of my head any in particular, but like. There have been a couple of situations like these, but I don't remember it being with a team that was as as strong, more or less, as it, it's been with like one of the minor region teams or like the number three seed from wherever, and not with like such a high profile team as Griffin is. So mm-hmm. um, there's that. Uh, I I kind of feel the same way John does in that. So I you know I've I've watched this team intently. This is a team that I liked for all year long. You guys can you know attest to that, and. I think CB Max is a great coach. Obviously, like it, Griffin's strong point all season long has been the fact that they're just so so disciplined, like in everything that they do, and um, you see it like the only the only times they lose are when they lose to themselves, right? And that's kind of been the case, unless it's like SK Telecom just being okay. We're we're four Hall of Famers, like deal with it <laughs> like that's the only time that this team's lost is when they've beaten themselves like there's been very few times where they've been straight up defeated right and I would agree with that. um a lot of that so you could attribute a lot of that to coaching and and discipline and everything but at the same time you look at this 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 roster and you can't help but think like this is four like this is really it's like five just bona fide stallions right yeah. I was saying this to John before – I think it was before you you got in the call, Chris. But, like, mm-hmm. I was saying to John, like, you got four Mustangs – or you got five Mustangs here. Like, let them run free, man. Let them run wild. Like, see what happens. Like, maybe maybe that backfires. Who knows? But uh, I think there's a, there's a chance that this is maybe a good thing. I mean, we don't know. Like, CB Max has been their coach the whole time. Maybe this hmm. like part of me wants to say that, like this can't possibly be good because a team doesn't go from a bunch of rookies to the best team in the L E you know, the L C K like they did last year without good coaching, right? But maybe this unlocks their ceiling a little bit. Maybe he was limiting the players a little too much. We don't uh, there's a lot of stuff internally that we don't know about this, right? So we're kinda working in a gray area here, right? Correct. Yeah. I would say in terms of whether it's futures or not, or, or just like evaluating these, evaluating this team in general, we're going to know pretty quickly what's going on with this team, right? Yep. I would say don't – I know there's a lot of people that are just automatically being like, okay, downtick Griffin from this. I wouldn't be so automatic on that is what I'm saying. Because at the end of the day, this is still five ridiculously good players. Like just look at this team pound for pound. They're insane. So, yeah, and, and look at what happened with a team like Clutch. There was a team with with five pretty talented players, and they they get rid of their coach in the middle of the season. Suddenly, they start playing a slightly different style, and they're way better just because they're playing a style that fits them better. The coach, you know, I don't think was playing to them as well. So we don't really know necessarily how it's going to turn out. But I agree with you; we'll find out pretty quick. Yeah, like I, I would just say, like don't don't immediately do the panic move of okay, this is a bad thing. More than likely it is, but you never know. And I would say that, like, the public is treating this as, like, a 90% bad thing. I'm treating this as, like, a 50-50. Like, this could be a good thing. Like, maybe they loosen up. I'm pretty uh, – Chaos, the guy that they promoted, chaos. is mm-hmm. within the organization. So maybe nothing changes and they're just who they are. And that's fine. Like, yeah. 
and we saw that with Clutch because uh, what's it called? The, the guy they promoted from Clutch was just within the organization. He was the assistant coach, so it wasn't like uh, think card. Right? Yeah, yep. so it wasn't like, and that was a pretty drastic looking change, even though it may not have been that drastic of a change behind the scenes, you know. Uh, so who knows? Maybe maybe this loosens this team. I don't I don't I don't want to say loosens this team up like it's a bad like it's a bad thing that they're like you know, militarily disciplined. Because that's what this team is, right? Like, that's their thing. That's their shtick, right? Griffin are doing what SKT did for many, many years, right? Where it's like, okay, we are the adults in the room. Like, that's how they play the game, and that's what works for them. So that was a pretty big uh, deal. I mean, that's a really, really big deal because this is a team that a lot of people, I mean, they definitely have, like, top eight aspirations. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone that doesn't put them into quarters. I mean, I'm sure you could find someone, but um, uh, so the next thing we had was Invictus uh, fired their head coach. This one's got a little bit of a caveat to it because Mafa was they, they were like co-head coaches, and Mafa was doing the on-stage drafting for a large part of these. Well, not a large part, like toward the end of the summer split and the playoffs. And anybody that followed the LPL knows that. Maybe this was what was going on with all the subst- all the substitutions. I didn't even think about this angle literally until just now, right? Where we had all these substitutions. Yeah, Bowline get benched earlier in the season after MSI, like right when summer season started up. Um, you had Leanne switching in for Ning, and there was all these rumors of attitude problems and all this other stuff. Maybe these were coaching decisions and not management decisions or player decisions. Like, I didn't even think about that angle until this, but... Um, Again, I'll pitch this to you guys because I, I went pretty long-winded about Griffin, but, like, thoughts, concerns on this. Does this move the needle at all for Invictus for you? I'm inter- I'm just interested in why. Mm. That would that would be a big difference maker for me if I understood what their reasoning was because I think there's some reasons why this could happen, and some of them I would agree with and some of them I wouldn't. Like, I think part of the reason that Invictus is not as good this season just has to do with how the metagame has shifted. I do think Last Worlds was, like, where Invictus wanted to be metagame-wise. And it hasn't gotten, like, in a place that's terrible for them, but it's it has gotten a little bit worse, I think. I would say I would say it's like last year they were zigging when everyone else was zagging. Now everyone's zagging, and they're still pretty good at that. But now that everyone's now, doing yeah. it, they're not catching anybody off guard. Yeah. Yeah, and I do think there have been, like, some champions that have risen to power that are a little bit bad for Invictus, but... Quirky. I, the, yeah, the question for me is just, did they do this because they think that the coaching is the reason they were losing, like, more than they did last year? Because I don't think that's the case. I don't think the coaching is the reason why. I think they've always been a volatile team, and I think mm-hmm. having a slightly worse meta and other teams playing slightly better means Invictus is going to lose a little bit more than they used to. Because they still didn't have really an awful season. I, I was talking to you about this beforehand, but if you remove that loss to Snake in the playoffs – it's pretty much what you'd expect from an Invictus season, a little bit worse. But they had a lot of guys coming in and out, a lot of weird mm-hmm. rosters. You expect them to lose some games in there. I, I didn't think it was that bad of a season other than the loss to Snake. So you remove that one series, and I don't really see the problem. By the way, I'll just mention that and I, I mentioned this about Fun Plus 2, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But there's an awfully similar trajectory to last year where it's like, okay, like they dominated all regular season. This time they didn't dominate all regular season, but – they had some randomly bad losses. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could argue them losing to RNG last year was a bad loss for them relative to like how they were playing in the regular season. 
I, I think people are like a little too fast to jump off the boat, but like consider all the turmoil that this team. I say turmoil; it's like relative, right, compared to like world class teams. Like for a world class team, a team that just won the world championship, this is a lot of turmoil, right? Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. uh, especially considering that they've, you know, like they have the same roster. The thing was working, and they just broke that up. They just stopped doing it, right? It's not like Invictus was a bad team in spring. Obviously, oh. like they yeah. they were definitely not a bad team in spring. So, it, it's a little weird. I I think this one. So this one is different because we don't know. Whereas with Griffin, we know that okay, it was a it was a disagreement. The CEO just fired him, yeah. which could be a bad thing. It could be a, a good thing, right? Like this could just be like the the uh, impulsive fire, like the rage fire, right? I think the t- I think it's not that because the timing's a little weird. If it was a rage yeah. fire, we would have heard about it two weeks after Korean finals, right? Right. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Ig for me is still just a complete wild card. Yeah, we talked I, I about this a little bit more, but. They could come in here and look like world beaters, and they could come in here and look awful. It's really hard to tell what's yeah. going to happen with them. Yeah, and we're, we're gonna we're definitely gonna talk about them more on on probably the main event show, like one of the main event shows we're gonna do. So, like, I think the TLDR on I think all of our takes. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. You could correct me on this, but like, I'm pretty sure we all have the same take on Invictus, which is we're gonna know probably literally like in the first five minutes of the first game, if it's Invictus. <laughs> yeah. Like we're going to know right away. Okay. Invictus is here. They're one of the favorites to win the tournament. Like that's, and we're going to know that like right away. So um, I just want to know who's starting. I've been hearing news about the jungler. Is it Leon? Is it Ning? So, Don't know yet. So my understanding, I, I'm now going to have to like look into the actual rules. Cause I, I meant to do this before. And I before you even look it up. Who do you want to see starting? Oof, that's the a good shy. Question. I, I well, didn't the shy, think so. so the jungle. Personally, I didn't think Leanne was that bad. The problem was the games where he was bad were irrecoverable. So I think you run back the world's lineup. What about you, Prime? Who do you want to see starting in the jungle? At this point, I feel. Leon, if if all the rumors that I've hear, and I don't want to base this on rumors, but I think Leon probably feels more synergistic as this moment, and this could be recency bias, but I want to see Leon. I mean, Leon looked good for the most part. He had like two or three awful games. They were just very, very bad. Like the reason they lost, kind of games. So that's going to stick out in people's minds, I think, a little bit. But I think Leon was mostly good. Like what? Do you, all right, so John, you pose that. Like obviously, like what's what's the hot take that's coming here? Well, you know, I flip flop a little bit on how I feel about it. If I had to say something, I would play probably put Ning on the team. Put him in there. Get Ning in there. He won your world championship. He was a top five jungler in the world when he did it. Put Ning on your team. Put Leon on the bench. So you know, I mean, I'm kind of split on so- how I feel. About it. <laughs> so all right. One of the changes that they made to the rule set for this year was that teams are allowed to have seven subs this year. Uh, yes. The last two, three years? Might have been two years. I think, No, it was the last three years because it started this in 2016. They were only allowed to bring one sub, so you had a six-person roster for the whole tournament, which mm-hmm. adversely affected a lot of teams, especially a lot of like the 2016, 2017 Korean teams were running like you know eight-man rosters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, now a lot of the LPL teams are doing that too. They're allowed like- to bring – so it's my understanding that they're bringing Duke and the Shy. They didn't bring uh, Lucas. Yeah, I like that they opened that up 
to have an extra player. Like, I, okay, I really like the idea of only having six players, one backup. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great idea. But yeah. running into the problem of, like, our mid laner is really sick, and so we have to play our support at mid or, like, like, yeah. like weird problems like that. You just, I think they have to allow him to bring more than one, just in case. I almost think that there should be like. You see, here's the problem: is like you'd be, you'd have all sorts of angle shooting if that kind of thing happened. But like, I almost feel like you should be allowed to bring. It should be a six man roster with one emergency sub that's like off the roster that has to be like reviewed by like a tribunal or something to be approved to, like if somebody gets sick, right? And yeah, I would prefer that over. But, I mean, that's also a lot of work. So. A bit of a side point, but I do want you guys' thoughts on this. This is something I was thinking about the other day. There's a lot of teams that only ever play five guys, right? That did mm-hmm. Just say five guys play every game. Don't you think there's a serious value in having a sixth guy on your team spending the like literal entire split practicing one strategy that that guy plays in? Yeah. And then just busting that guy out in a playoff game. Like, just bringing a guy with you who has not played in the league all split, and then all of a sudden in the semifinals in game three, you got it like a, you know, you got a Heimerdinger comp or yeah, imagine, whatever. Imagine, no Viper, imagine Viper is your sixth player, and you can just bring a Raven one, like the best Raven one trick in the West out. Well, would... I thought that my first thought was like, all these teams should have a one trick that they bring with them. But the problem is, as soon as they bring that guy on stage, their team just bans their one trick. <laughs> So you have to have a guy who's Listen, like not a, who's not a one trick, but who just practices one strategy all year. I get to call you on this because you're Mister Ira, you're Mister, you're Mister. These coaches don't know what they're doing for the most part. <laughs> I am, don't yeah, you dare act like these guys have researched any of this stuff enough to know that once that person steps on stage, although they probably would once the well, roster. If are you clear. bring like you know, if you bring Chase Shaco with you, and you <laughs> start with, like, like I think maybe we banned Shaco this game. Like you have to, you'd have to have a guy that was like not known for his champion yeah. at least. I really think every team that has a five-man roster they play every game should be bringing somebody to Worlds who plays something weird. Oh, yeah, we got, we, got, we got Bob76 over here. He's like the... the yeah, he the, plays the, the whole Hecarim top. Or he's like, like he the, the best he, He's the best mid-lane Varus player on, in existence. So Yeah, exactly. Just bring him and then just bust him out in game three. This, and the, this Jelati guy is like the best mid-zillion. <laughs> <laughs> That just seems like it would be super viable. It's equitable, on a right? Like, that's an equitable move. If it, if it just gives you one game, like, that could be you winning the world championship versus not winning it. Busting yeah. that guy out in the quarters of the semifinals in a close matchup. I don't know. I think every team should be doing that if they're not a team that normally uses subs. So, like, the, the, the seven, like, the extra two, the, the two subs instead of one thing is definitely impactful for... Maybe less so at this tournament, but if you took this like two years ago, this would have been a huge deal. Like SK Telecom would have snapped one, like both like twenty sixteen <laughs> and seventeen, like no question. Instead of it's like, oh yeah, we played like half a season with this guy, and we just can't bring him now. Like that sucks, but yeah, yeah. just worth mentioning. I thought um, it's worth mentioning because we're talking about IG and IG. So they didn't bring Lucas, and they didn't bring um, oh my god, what's the mid laner? Forge. Forge, yeah, that's right. So they didn't bring Forge either. So um, it Leon is the Duke and, and Leon are okay. the, the uh, – or not the Duke. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> it's Yeah, the it's Duke. the Duke and the Shy now, and everyone's the it's the Leon <laughs> and the Rookie. And... Oh, just just be clear, the two subs are Leon and Duke, right? Well, they haven't – That's I mean, they have delegated that seven-person roster. Mm. So we don't know. Maybe Leon's starting. Yeah, I don't well, think that's. I mean, I think Leon is going to start. Yeah, I, 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 I do too. Thing. I do too. 
Um, I think he's going to start, and I hate it. And I hate IG, and I hate him. <laughs> I think Leon starting in the best of one aspect of this is is super risky. Like, because they could definitely. Okay. Just, I mean, so we saw the games that he lost. Like, he self destructed. Like, it was really bad. Um. Okay. Make the, we can make this an IG show, but I mean, we really can make this an IG <laughs> oh, show. Well, so, well, you're too long winded. So, you can't put me and you on a podcast, man. We just... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I didn't do like a full formal write up, uh, but I took a lot of time uh, breaking down the changes from 916, which is where most of the playoff. Uh, playoffs were played like the patch the playoffs were played on uh and then going over the changes in 917 18 and now 919 which is where the world patch is going to be played so uh i went over a lot of the changes and i've summed up like just like a little bit of each on each of the champions i'm not going to be super long with didn't go into literally every change um i just want to do a couple of the highlights um because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding from people that think that automatically certain things are going to be, like, meta or certain things are going to be, like, oh, this is OP, like, this is going to be a thing, right? Um, I'm going to go, like, reverse alphabetical order for relevancy, right? <laughs> uh, so, this is a tease because everyone thinks it's going to be one thing and it's not going to be that. So, Orn, starting with the letter O. <laughs> uh, so, Orn got a buff to his passive. Um, it procs at 13 now. Doesn't move the needle for me at all. Uh, the Not thing it. I want to note about Orn isn't that he's had like any kind of specific change that's buffed him, but Orn Jungle <laughs> was a pick that was really, really, really popular during solo, like in solo queue during playoffs, like on nine sixteen, and it's still there and it's still good. So I think we could definitely see some flex pick Orns um, support jungle and top lane in this tournament. I think the jungle Orn is not a joke. It's real. I think you'll almost definitely see it at least a couple times in this tournament. So don't rule that out. Oriana got buffed. It's worlds. Everyone's like, oh man, Oriana buffs. So I know here we go. Oriana and Corky. Oriana and Corky. Right. So here's here's my thing, right? Just the Oriana buff herself. Oriana just got a buff to her ultimate. It's just a flat damage buff. It's a lot. She got point one added to the AP ratio and fifty damage added to her ultimate. It's a lot. She's definitely gonna get played a little bit more. Um, the thing with Oriana is that she's dependent on what's happening around her. So if it's, if it's more of an up-tempo metagame, she's not what you want to be playing, regardless of whether she's strong or not, right? They're going to play her. They're going to play Baker, her. Baker's going to play Oriana. So 100%. I'm going to I'm just going to say this like straight <laughs> up. Like I, I think everyone saw, oh my god, Oriana buff, she's going to be picked or banned every game. I don't think she's going to be picked or banned every game, but she's definitely going to be more popular than she was. Because she was like already being played. Oriana's one of those picks where she's just always going to be played by certain people, and... Like, the good players of her are going to be good. Um, just, I just want to say that, like, it's worth mentioning that some of the early game champions did get nerfed. Um, or some of the champions that she has problems with. Um, Silas got nerfed. Uh, so the champions that, like, stat check and are just so good that they don't care that she can outlane them. A lot of those got changed. So, um, Silas was the most notable. Uh, oh, Aatrox. John, your favorite Aatrox got nerfed. Yes, Aatrox. Aatrox got nerfed really hard. We're gonna get to that. Um, uh, just notable ones. Um, so Misfortune got her E slow buffed, uh, which is the rain of bullets, uh-huh. which maybe puts Misfortune support back on the table. I think a lot of people were like, "Oh yeah, MF supports back on the table." The problem with MF support was that it was a niche pick specifically for countering the mage supports 
and none yeah. of the mage supports are being played right now. So I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see her. I, I love Misfortune support. I actually play a shit ton of Misfortune yeah. mid, and uh, and I, I don't think we're going to see her. Big one. This one is definitely going to be an uptick. Lee Sin. Lee Sin got base damage uh, buffs, base stat buffs, small ones, but relevant. Um, if you look at the jungle pool in this tournament, this is more of a, 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 a call on the players in this tournament in combination with the buffs. We're going to see Lee Sin a ton in this tournament, like just straight up. Uh, if you look at a lot of the highlight players, like the good junglers in this tournament, they are featured Lee Sin players. Clid sticks out to me. Um, Brox, there's, there's a ton of there's a ton of Lee Sin players. It's going to be a really high priority pick. I think especially in the play-in regions, you're going to see a lot of Lee Sin because it, he can break a game open. Kesa um, um, got nerfed and it was kind of a pretty substantial nerf, but I think what's strong about Kesa is that she is versatile and it didn't necessarily have to do with overwhelming damage. I think this just takes her down from must must pick to, like, it's still good. So... Uh, Evelyn, uh, Evelyn got a quality of life buff, not a change. Echo got a pretty big buff that maybe makes jungle Echo playable. He was bot lane in EU match. I saw this today. So was it? It was Echo. It was Multiple Echo times. Yasuo, Multiple right? Times. Or no? It was Echo some yeah. some other CC machine, uh, right? Wait, you, you're right. I think I saw this too. Well, yeah. Was it with Leona or somebody? Yeah. Hey, so Echo got his uh, the stun on his parallel convergence, which is like the the AOE stun thing he puts down buffed. Mm-hmm. You could definitely see play. I know he's getting a lot of play at high level in the jungle. Um, Mordekaiser got buffed. Ooh. I so I, I think this is relevant because he was borderline a bannable champion for. So Mordekaiser's kind of a weird. He's in a weird space because. He's a stylistic pick more than like just an over. I mean, he's overwhelmingly powerful, but like Mordekaiser is probably going to be the best weak side top laner in this tournament, like for this patch. What I mean by weak side is you have weak side and strong side. Uh, weak side is the side that you're going to leave out to dry, like isn't going to get the jungle attention and isn't going to be focused on getting priority. It's just going to be focused on absorbing pressure and not losing. Um, Mordekaiser is exceptionally good at that. Uh, not only is he really, really good 1v1, um, not only can he shove on his own, but he can resist dives with his ultimate really, really well. He can take stopwatch. It makes it exceedingly difficult to, to dive him because he can wave clear pretty well and because he can repel dives so well. I think for teams that want to play weak side, top side, that's going to be a really, really relevant thing. So he's going to be – there's going to be an uptick in Mordekaiser play, and he was already getting played a lot, I think. Um he got some like it, it was it was some small buffs to his shield, so I don't think it's going to be like a hundred percent picked or banned, but I think from certain teams it will be. So he's going to be really popular this tournament. I think Karma is out; she got nerfed. Um, Glad got, to see Karma go. I feel yeah. like so many teams were making mistakes yeah. with Karma. So Karma, yeah. Karma, the problem with Karma was that she was good at everything. So now she's not good at everything. She's more specific and like a niche pick. Uh, so she can still be played, but she's. I actually still think she can be flexed the top lane too. So that might be a thing still, but it's you're not going to have this like four role character anymore. It's just going to be like a specific counter pick or something. I don't think the Gragas nerfs are enough to knock him off the table. Um, he got nerfs to his W, the healing and the base uh, health damage. 
He's still OP. He's still going to be really good, just fundamentally. He's just a good character. His clear is good. Um, Graves got buffed. Chance we see him. Don't think it's going to matter, just based on what I think the meta is going to be. Ash got buffed. I think we're definitely going to see Ash because... Um, so the Ash buffs kind of go in, in tandem with a couple other things that happened. A couple, a bunch of the AD carries got small base stat changes. Uh, Caitlyn got buffed. Zaya got ner- Zaya got three armor taken off. Caitlyn got armor uh, got base stat buffs. Ash's Q is now a reset, and her slow got increased. And Ash happens to be pretty good against the lane bullies that also got buffed. So I think you're going to see a meta game that revolves a lot around Ash, less around safe pick Zaya. It's going to be a lot of like Ash Lucian. Uh, Caitlyn, uh, probably like pocket picks like Draven, some fluky weird bot lanes. I think um, we'll see a decent amount of Draven in the play-ins yeah, too. We're, we're going to see a lot of, I, I think Ash and Caitlyn are going to be like the most popular AD carries in this tournament. I could be wrong about that, but that's just my read on this, uh, based on the patches over the last three patches. Uh, any... that real quick yeah, before you go, just cause we're talking AD carries for a second. Uh, a question that I had regarding champion pools, and I like to go to you for my uh, champion balancing questions. Why are we seeing a bunch of solo lane Tristana and not Tristana bot lane? So, a lot of it has to do with that her she has a lot of damage loaded onto not her base damages necessarily, but um, Tristana is one of the AD carries that actually benefits from levels more than most AD carries do. So. You can also just kind of get away with putting her to soul lane. If you could get away with putting eighty carries in soul lanes more often, people would do it. Like we've it seen seems, Lucian in the past. We're seeing Corky currently, even though he's not like really an eighty carry. But it uh, seems like the the solo lane Tristanas are getting fed basically every game. Oh yeah, I see one picked, and so I'm just wondering why we're not seeing it in the ball lane if if it's such a strong. And I I've played it a bit, and it feels really strong. Yeah, and I'm seeing them get fed. I'm just not sure why we're not seeing it in the bot lane. Uh, so the reason you're not seeing it in the bot lane right now is because there's a lot of just overwhelming like damage in the bot lane right now. So champions like Kesa, champions like like there's champions that that can stat check her from the AD carry position, and normally that's not a position that's like oriented with that. Uh, whereas in solo lanes, you can actually play her into pretty much anything and just play safe. It's kind of hard to explain. Uh, the top lane one is beyond me. I have no idea why that's happening. Like, playing that champion in a long lane seems like suicide to me, but I guess you can always just jump out, but you can get frozen on really badly. But okay. Especially because she can't manage minion waves, which is real weird because of her passive on her E. Yeah. She, like, auto-pushes every wave. So I, I think that's just a stylistic thing. I, I You know, I'm actually going to have to ask somebody more higher level than me on that because I know it's getting played, and I know, like, fundamentally why. It's because they want another range damage source that's not magic damage. But... I'm interested if we'll if we'll see that at all because she feels strong and she there's hasn't some players, been she hasn't I mean, been touched. So. We got reckless at the tournament. I mean, there's some guys that play Tristana. I'm, I'm just interested if we might see her get popped out. But appreciate that. Yeah. So a couple other champion notes before I get too crazy with this, but I and then I'm gonna give like a TLDR on this. So um, Annie support got she got a movement speed or I say Annie got a movement speed buff to her E. So when she pops her E, she gets like a burst of movement speed, kind of like a like a um, like a righteous glory. It's not quite that extreme. It's like shorter than that. Maybe puts Annie support on the table, relevant. But again, Annie support was a thing that we only saw because it was good against caster support. So it might not be a thing. Uh, just worth noting. 
Akali got her, the half-second stun taken off of her ult and the damage nerfed. And then on 919, got the damage added back on, but not the stun. I've played a fair amount against this. Akali's going to be good again. She's going to be relevant. She's going to be a pick in this tournament. Uh, Is she? I thought she had a nerf. She got nerfed really bad on 918, and then she they got it back? all the damage that was nerfed put back on, but they left the stun off. So All right. Oh, that's right. The stun was was, was removed. Ah, um, I still get my S. Got a couple more. I know this is long-winded, but I, I promise it's, I have like a, a punctuation to put on it. Zaya got her base armor reduced by three, which doesn't sound like a lot, but for an AD carry early in lane, that's crippling. Like, that's really bad. She also got her nerf cooldown extremely, like, increased. It's I think it's like 140 seconds at rank one now or something. It's a substantial nerf. Or no, it's, it's more than that. It's 140 at rank three, I think. It's a substantial nerf. Base armor reduction or base armor nerfs on on eighty carries, especially ones that aren't crazy long range. Cause she's like a mid range, is a big deal because it means that any lane bully just automatically is that much more effective against her. So combine this with Caitlyn buffs and Ash buffs, and I just think Zaya is she might get played still because she can be safe. Probably going to be off. The, she's not going to be blind pickable anymore. Is my thought. Okay, which is relevant. Um. Uh, Jin also got base buffs, another champion that could punish that. Uh, we've been seeing a lot of Pantheon in top and mid lane, in professional play and in solo queue. He got some base damage nerfs, but I'm pretty sure that there's players like Dwayne B in this tournament that are going to play him still. Um, Rek'Sai got a base armor buff. She's really, really good against like the non-Lee Sin junglers, because Lee Sin also just got buffed. Probably going to be an uptick in popularity. Anytime Rek'Sai is playable, professional teams are going to play her. Um, Riven got buffed and then re-nerfed. Uh, or she got buffed on the perspect- on the PvE version of 919, but those buffs didn't go through. I doubt we'll see Riven. Maybe the Shy plays it. Um, Scion got buffed. I know. Chance we'll see him. Uh, it was a small one. Silas got nerfed really, really bad. We're almost done, I promise. <laughs> Salas got nerfed really, really bad. Uh, he got... Um, so, he got a lot of his... Uh, he got base stat reductions in pretty much everything. Health, armor, magic resist. And uh, I think the ability... His his kit is just good enough that you're probably still going to see him play, but he's just not going to be 100% picked or banned anymore like he was. And he's not going to be like this like... He's still going to be pretty flexible. He's just not going to be like everywhere anymore. He's not going to be ubiquitous. I think they hit him on his uh, minion hits, so he's dealing less damage to them. Yeah. Um, so that that really hits him in the cl- wave clear or jungle. Yeah, and being able to shove and roam is like part of, like, him being able to mm-hmm. get priority as a melee champion is part of his strength, and he's not going to be able to do that as well anymore, especially with base stat nerfs. He's going to eat a lot of harass. So, mm-hmm. uh, Tom Kench got nerfed a little bit, but I don't think it's enough to change anything, but it's just going to depend on who plays him. Um, Twisted Fate got slight buffs, but I think he kind of just stays the same. Vayne Ultimate got buffed. I think the people playing Vayne were going to play Vayne any- anyway. I don't think this moves the needle that much. Uh, Xin Zhao got a lot of... Uh, got hurt by Scuttlecrab changes a couple patches ago. But um, I still think he's going to be playable, depending on the teams that play it. And then probably the... I would say probably the biggest one of this whole tournament, I say for last... Yumi got nerfed really, really hard. But 
the PBE version of this patch was that she was getting her heal and her slow reduced by a lot. It turns out they just stuck with the slow nerf and it was a slight nerf to the heals. Her slow went from an 80% to a 20%. That's ridiculous. Oh, That's wow, huge. Yeah. Um, she, I still think this character is going to be played. She's just not going to be 100% picked or banned anymore. Uh, you're not going to see Garen Yumi. You're mm. not going to see... I mean, maybe they do. I don't know, but... She's still going to be good because I think the kit is fundamentally pretty busted and they didn't take away the best part about her, which is the ultimate heal. She's just not going to be as oppressive in lane anymore, which means you're not going to be able to get away with stuff like you, Gary Yumi, Garen Yumi, and Yasuo Yumi, and stuff like that. So probably knocks her out of 100% pick ban consideration. So all these changes. I know that was a lot, but that was three patches worth of quick rundown. (laughs) So the TLDR on this is... They've kind of cut down on up-tempo solo lanes. Oh, I didn't mention, Aatrox got nerfed two patches ago, too. Uh, and on yes. this patch. So, yeah. they nerfed Aatrox's ability, to his sustainability. He's still good, still playable. I think he's not as flexible. Like, before he was good enough to just play mid or top, like, regardless. I don't think he's that playable in flexible situations anymore. Like, he's going to be, like, uh, not a counter, but he's going to be, like, matchup-specific. So he gets he's gonna have a down tick, but he'll still be playable, he's just good. Um The TLDR on all of this is they've nerfed a lot of the they've nerfed a lot of the um up tempo kind of solo lane champions like Silas and I, I wanna say Akali, but Akali's still gonna get played. And they've buffed a lot of the bully eighty carries, which makes me think we're gonna have more of a bottom lane centric tournament. Uh, not necessarily like hyper carries or, or anything like that, but it's going to be bottom lane centric in the way that whoever's going to get the winning bottom lane is going to be able to snowball that into a lot of turret platings and then maybe move that across the map because you're going to have champions like uh, like Ash and Caitlyn that are pop and Lucian that are really really popular in this tournament. So what this it's really really hard trying to predict a patch because you never know. Like maybe the teams just say screw everything and we're going to play we're going to play, but I think. Corky didn't get nerfed. Azir didn't get nerfed. Uh, Cassiopeia hasn't been nerfed. She's been getting a ton of play in solo queue. Um, there's a chance we kind of go, we kind of step it back a little in terms of the tempo and the kills. Yep. I don't necessarily mean that. I'm not saying that means like we're back to two seasons ago or whatever. I just think it's going to be a slight downtick in overall like up tempo play because. As it was, like, for most of the season, we kind of had, like, up-tempo in all three lanes, and it would just be, like, the games would snowball like crazy. Mm. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe you're going to have earlier lane phases ending, but maybe not necessarily earlier game times is what I'm saying. So maybe tack, like, two minutes onto a game, but there's chance that... Maybe it doesn't look as flashy, but a snowball is like just as powerful. Like a Caitlyn snowball can be just as powerful as like a Fed Silas, even though it may not look that way. So, um, why did my thing just cut out? One second. My uh, recording thing just cut out. One second. I'm we're we're still recording, but uh, anyway. Does, so thoughts on those patches? Like you guys can you guys can dip into the patch. So go for it. Oh, I was just going to say it does feel that way a little bit. Some tanks are getting buffed. Utility mid laner getting buffed. Later game, utility 80 carries. I mean, Caitlyn not so much, but Ash. 
does feel a little bit like they're trying to move away from like mid top domination and move it a little bit more power down into the bot lane. So, yeah, I, I think like in the grand scheme of things, there's a good chance that, I mean, and obviously I don't know everything. So there's a good chance that like some teams are going to bust something out that I have no idea about, but my general read on this is that like, okay, Oriana got buffed and the champions that she would be pretty poor against got nerfed. And we now have, you know, Corky didn't get nerfed either. So there's a good chance that this mid lane meta is just Corky, Oriana, Azir, uh, Syndra to counter those two. Like, maybe some. You're, you're going to see Kiana. Kiana's still good. You're going to see Akali. Akali's still going to be good. You're probably going to see some LeBlanc. But introducing Oriana back to this pool and not nerfing Corky and Azir while nerfing stuff like Silas and Aatrox is definitely going to be relevant. So you're going to see a lot less of the. Um, those kind of things mid. I really notably, Irelia wasn't nerfed or changed that much in the last three, so she'll still be around too. Mm. Anyway, uh, I think generally speaking, maybe slow down a tad, uptick late game a tad, which kind of sounds weird to say because you're going to have eighty carry like bot lanes that are potentially going to be able to snowball and rotate around the map. But I think overall, it's going to be a downtick in kill totals, is what I'm saying. Because there's going to be a lot of stuff where it's just like, you're not going to get kills necessarily, but you're going to bully people out of lane, take platings, and then rotate. So, slow the game down a tad, is what I'm saying. Um, let's see. I mean, we can go right into the Wednesday slate. You guys good for that? Yep. Start talking about these play-in teams. So, play-in tournament starts uh, Wednesday. Um, it's going to open up with... Clutch against Unicorns of Love. Clutch minus 295 against UOL plus 235. I believe I got these from Betway. Mm -hmm. It was either Betway or, or, or Five Dimes or Nitrogen, one of those. I, I just kind of like found the most even looking numbers. So We're going to see a lot of odds in this play-in stage that are going to be pretty unbettable. So it's not going to be as uh, like some of our normal ones where we have a lot of bets that we like. Mm -hmm. I think... There's going to be a lot of things that I would throw into parlays, but probably wouldn't mess around with individually. And this first game feels like that. Like clutch feels like a, a good parlay like spot. I'm not really sure I want to pay minus 300 on a best of one. So it feels like a parlay to me. Yeah. So we'll, we'll use a little bit of this uh, because like John's just said, like a lot of these games are, are basically unbettable outside of like, you know, reducing down because the, the lines are so large, but, uh, we can take some of this time to talk about the teams just a little bit. Um, Clutch coming in, you know, significantly improved. Uh, I don't necessarily think nah, they probably are a shoe in to get out of this, right? I think they're. I think the three major region teams. Um, we can kind of lead in with a big topic that me yeah. and you have talked about. No, that's what I mean. We can just go go wherever with this. It's just kind of a way to bring up talking points. We've talked about this a lot, but I think this is going to be so. Previously, just to like give you an example, my previous strategy at all World Championships that have been played on DraftKings so far was to try to get involved with underdogs who played an aggressive style and could win, like a Gigabyte Marines type team when they were in there. Take a team like that that's aggressive, try to get some low ownership in DFS on, on an aggressive underdog. Um, this is the first year that I'm not going to be messing with that at all because I think the emerging regions are just so far behind the major regions now that I just don't think the emerging regions have almost any shot. Like, it's just going to take, I think, 
kind of like cheesy stuff for emerging region teams to beat major regions. And the main reason for that is money. Um, the more money that comes into the major regions, like a couple of years ago, a team from Hong Kong and a team from NA wouldn't have been spending that much different amounts of money on their players or on their facilities or on their coaching or on their infrastructure. It would have been relatively similar. And now the like NALCS teams are 15, 20 million dollar entities. And some of these teams from like Japan are, they're not spending anywhere near that kind of money. They don't have the, the infrastructure. They don't have like, there's just such a huge difference now. I mean, just think about it this way. If next year in Greece, they started saying, we're going to pay $50 million a year to any basketball player that wants to come play in Greece. You think the quality of the, of the Grecian basketball league is going to go up pretty fast? Like that's pretty much what's happening is like the major regions have so much money to throw around. They can coach all the best players from the minor regions. They have all the best coaches. They have all the best infrastructure. So I have almost no faith in emerging region teams to be able to beat major region teams this year. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way where – so I'll just, like, float this out. So his, historically speaking, uh, if you look at since they've introduced the play-in stage in 2017, there have been about – not about. There's literally been two games every year um, in the entire play-in stage, four groups. There have been two games that I would deem, like, upsets where one of the small region teams has beaten one of the major region teams. There's two every year. I would say this year there's I would go under that total. Like I'd be willing to say under two. Like I think it's gonna be. I mean, we'll, we can just full stop go into this now because so like we're we're gonna we're gonna talk more about like features and just general like thoughts on this like before. But I think it's worth putting some context on this as we go into these. But if John, if I had to ask you like if you're gonna put any of these play-in teams like all the, all the small region play-in teams. Uh, if you had to pick one to get, if you had to pick one to get out of the out of the playing stage, who is it? Uh, for me, it was Royal Youth. Um, they're my fa- my favorite team. That's not a major region team. Um, but really, what I think is going to happen, and I talked about this in an article that's going to come out pretty soon, is the three major region teams are going to get out and it's just going to matter who is playing against the winner of the low key group. Mm. The low, the low key group has like, is the one that doesn't have a major region team in it. Yeah. This and, is a, this is group C it's Hong Kong attitude, low key sports and mega. So it's either low key or Hong Kong attitude. That's going to win that group probably. And those are the two te- And both of those teams I think are beatable by the, the, the teams that will come out of the other groups. Like I think unicorns of love could be either one of those teams I think Royal Youth could beat either one of those teams. I think Flamengo or Isaris could beat either one of those teams. So for me, it's just going to matter who gets drawn against Hong Kong Attitude or Loki to have a shot to get out more so than like who's the best team. It's just going to be who gets the right draw. Yeah. So we we like unfortunately got like in my opinion like a really shitty play in group draw because like I, so we have Royal Youth. I, I'm with you, John. Like, I think Royal Youth is probably the best of the emerging regions. Um, I think the TCL was really competitive this split. I think the TCL has been really competitive. It was really competitive last year. Um, there's, it's overgrown a lot of change where, like, the teams have all upgraded. Like, it's no longer super massive dominating that region, right? 
Yeah, the team spent some money. They imported yeah. some good players from major teams. There's like four like good competitive teams in the TCL, and they're all yeah. kind of like checking each other and making each other better, which, in my opinion, is more than any of these other region, emerging regions have. I think I think the TCL is as good or better than the LMS, and that's kind of a bit hot takey. But we were talking about this before. Like the TCL oh, has actually yeah. put money into their region. Yeah, like, the I think they're the best money. region. Better than the LMS, better than the VCS. Yes. And we're not just saying that from, like, a historical context either because, like, historically, the Turkish team is always, like, whether it's Dark Passage or Super Massive, they've always been, like, one of the better, like, the favorite among the emerging region teams for the most part. It's usually them and, like, the, the Eastern European League, the LCL or, or, or you know, what ha- or Russia, what have you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or the CIS region. Like, the Eastern European teams have always been, like, in that book. And then... The LMS was considered a major region, right? Yeah, a minor L- major, a major of the minors. Yeah. No, so we we talked about this, but we might as well go into this now while we're chopping it up. But like the LMS, in my opinion, and this has been this way for a few years now, is not what it used to be. There's, I, I've brought this up with you guys a bunch of different times. There's a lot of, I call it price memory. It's like an economics term where it's assumed that a certain value is assigned to something just based on what it used to be, right? Yeah. Yes. I think a lot of people assume the LMS was pretty good because Flash Wolves used, was good. Was good. Yeah. I think that Flash Wolves team wasn't – like, I think the LMS, when that Flash Wolves team was good, was pretty good. Even even though Flash Wolves was dominating it, I think the rest of the LMS was, like, better. I think the LMS took a noticeable downtick in the last, like, two full calendar years. Not two splits – Really, like three calendar years, because I don't think I don't think Flash Wolves was that good even a couple years ago, right? And they've been, they've been getting hard poached by China too. Yeah, like people have to remember this: their coaches and their best players are all going to China. So the overall yeah. region looks, and there's a lot of people that would tell you, look at spring and summer this year. There's a lot more parity in the region. It's a lot more competitive. I'm not going to disagree with you there, right? There's not there's no longer one team dominating everybody, but. If you look, if to me, if you look at the the play itself, it's just it looks like a small region quality of play, not a large region quality. If you watch the LMS, the top LMS teams kind of look like the middle of the table LCS teams. Like they look very similar to me. It's a lot of undisciplined play. I think they've got. It's it's so frustrating because I think they do have good players there. We've seen this. Like they definitely have good players there. Otherwise, the LPL wouldn't be poaching some of them, right? Yeah. There's definitely good players there. They play on the Chinese server. Like, there's definitely good players there. It's just, I think the overall quality of play of the whole league has gone down compared to what it was three years ago. But I think people have this price memory of Flash Wolves, and they just assume that the LMS is the fifth best region. I don't think it is anymore. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, I think the TCL is as good or better. I think maybe the LCL is in that ballpark too. I think the the... The gap. We always talk about the gap between the West and the East. I think the gap between like the LMS and the the, the emerging regions is a lot smaller than it used to be. If not, I think the L, I think the LCL and um, TCL the TCL are, are probably as good or better than them now. I think the TCL yeah, is I mean, definitely better than them. Even Latin America combined together to make a, a, a much stronger region. Like I, I just don't think the LMS is anything special anymore. I think when you're talking LMS, you're just talking an emerging region now. Yeah, and. and there's, I don't think they're as bad as, you know, they're not Japan, Japan. or like because they still have a massive player base, right? Still, or Oceania, are, yeah, like these guys are still playing, 
on combination of the Chinese and Korean servers, right? Like, they're still playing with the best players, and there's still, like, a huge pool to pick from. So, like, certain amount of that, they have to be a certain amount good, right? Like, just by numbers. But I think there's this perception that the LMS is because that, that Flash Bulls team was the Korea Slayers, and they beat SKT, and, like, all this other stuff. Like, there's this perception that the region is just good by default. I don't think that's the case. Now, they're sending a lot of new, like, a good mix of old players that have been to Worlds before and new blood to this tournament. But I don't think I, – I kind of, what I'm saying is I think they should have been in play-ins and they got kind of a free pass into the main event. I agree on that as well. And I think that we're, we're kind of seeing with this Group C in the play-ins, I would have liked to see DFM, Isaris, Matt, uh, Unicorns, Loki, I think Flamengo, Royal, Royal Youth – I, so, if I'm ranking the emerging regions, like, if I'm power rating, like, the best teams, I think, that are coming from here, I think Royal Youth is actually good. Mm. Uh, I, I think Royal Youth is probably the 15th or 16th best team in this tournament, including play-ins and main event and everything. Yeah, I, I had them right on that line in my power rank. Um, which, uh, John, John's been writing a lot of stuff for Oracle's Elixir. I'll put the articles he's written for Worlds in the show notes, because it's really good stuff. You guys check it out. Um... I think they're right there. I think uh, I'm lower on Unicorns Love than most people are, but I think the Unicorns is probably right there too. Um, so th- th- the point I'm making is that th- this Group C is kind of a breeze. Who do yeah, you say- I had whoever plays against the winner of that group getting into the main event. Like I, I just assumed whatever two seed from another group. Oh, yeah against them was going to win. Yeah, I guarantee that. I, I, I'd almost guarantee that. Unless unless one of these teams just dominates and changes my mind in six games or four games. No, four games. Right? Four, four games. games yeah, four double games. round so, robin. Um, unless they just change my mind in four games, I, I doubt anything changes there. I, I feel the same way. Um, I don't know. Clutch unicorns, this bettable, or only includable in parlay. Any, any love for unicorns here? I know a lot of people are going to be on you. I, I bet there's a lot of people that are going to be in unicorns as a dog here. I kind of hope that's the case because then it pushes the line down to a more bettable range. Yeah, not me. I'm just putting Clutch in parlays. I don't expect – I think if Clutch, Splice, or Damwon lose a game, I think it's like 50-50 whether any of those teams loses a game. And I don't even have that much respect for Clutch, to be honest. I love Clutch, but I don't have that much respect for their play level. Yeah. Um, clutch minus 760, Mammoth plus 485. Mm, not terrible. So, I'll, I'll put this out there because there's a lot of people <laughs> that are going to be like, oh, yeah, like a dog's of that value. You know, as a dog, models, etc. Like, you, if know, you, you gotta watch, play a dog that big. Like, I've been, I was I've been watching Worlds since season two personally, and if you watch the playing stages, and every year it just gets further and further apart. Back in like season two, like the Australian teams, season three, the Australian teams were like neck and neck. Like they weren't as good, but they were battling in every game. And you start watching the last couple years. And it's just blowouts a lot of the time against some of these like these lower region teams. And Australia is unfortunately one of them. I love Australia. I lived there for a long time. But, uh, yeah, I don't see Mammoth picking up a game. I want to put this out there, too, because I think it's worth mentioning. But I think don't get baited into betting dogs because you want to see it happen. Like I don't yeah. know what this is called, but, like, there's got to be some title for this, like, philosophical or psychological theory about, like, I think people tend to bet what they want to see, not what they actually think will happen, right? 
And like maybe that's just the space that we're like it's a casual like if you're a casual better, yeah, of course you wanna, you know, whatever. Of course everybody wants to see Unicorns of Love win. I think Unicorns of Love are probably the second best of the play in teams. Like that are of the non major region play in teams. I'm not gonna put them near damn one, but like I think Unic I think Unicorns are second best. A lot of people have them as the best. I, I think they're like right there with Royal Youth. I think that's a good team. It's a lot of veterans, like they're good. But I think people have uh, this is again like the price memory thing. The, the Unicorns Love thing is the same thing as Unicorns Love for people that don't know bought the seventh place team slot from the LDL or the LCL, bought the seventh place team spot from Spring Split because they were bad, brought in new pl- this this roster, got into playoffs um, as the number two seed. They were tied for. They were essentially tied for first, but I think they lost the tiebreaker. They, they didn't have the tiebreaker against the number one team. And then just went on a good playoff run because the number one team got upset. So you could make an argument that Unicorns Love isn't even the best team from the LCL. Yeah. Ooh. Now, I think they probably are now because they looked pretty good in playoffs, right? But they also played against the four seed. And the ones he got upset, so like we like we don't know. Like maybe if we if the playoffs went as expected, maybe they just lose, right? And we're not talking about this. I don't understand. I, it's it's the name brand value, and that they have some players that people know. And I think people want unicorns to be good. I think they are pretty good. I don't. I don't. I'm not going to bet on them to win against a major region team. Yeah. No. I, yeah, I don't think the emerging regions are going to have a lot of success against the major regions yeah, at all. I, so. I said so. Like I said earlier, there's two. There's there's been two games every year, like individual games in the play-in that the emerging regions upset a major region in. I think it goes under that total. I think we're going to have one. I have yeah, my I think... eye on the one that I think it is, and we'll get to it next one. So, clutch minus seven sixty, mammoth plus four eighty five. No, right, can't bet it. Splice mm-hmm. minus four seventy, detonation focus me plus three forty five. Once again, yeah, the odds are just too far. Mm-hmm. This is the one I'm going to bet. Ooh, okay. Because I think stylistically these two teams are very similar. And I, so I have Detonation Focus Me as, as the third best wildcard team, or emerging region team. Really? Which is kind of, I know a lot of people have them 23rd or 24th out of the 24 teams in this tournament. Uh, I watched this team. And I, I was saying this to you guys earlier. They're they're smart. Like they're well coached. I don't think their players are that good, but they're smart. And I think sometimes you can steal a game just like not throwing a game. Like if they get if they somehow get leads in this or they have a good draft, I could see them beating Splice. Even the oh my god gets a thirty five minute Splice. Like Detonation folks me are a good macro team, and I'm not just saying that because they're. This was a Twitter thread today too. I'm not just saying they're a good macro team because they have low kill total games. Because they play more of a Korean style, they they don't play like a Korean team at all. Like they're they're they don't have very high kill totals, but that's about the extent of it, right? They play weird stuff. They play like like Yoda team. Their 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 eighty carry is like an MF one trick. <laughs> yeah, I and, and, and like... by the way, they bodied Sneaky and Zazel last year. Like they bodied them last year. Now, I know Sneaky and Zazel are lane, but you know. I wouldn't be surprised if this game was like ten to zero and kills at eighteen minutes. That could happen. Head. That like I, I think, I think the talent discrepancy is probably so enough. high. Yeah. I, so yeah. I'll just say this like full stop. Like this is my one long shot dog for this whole play in tournament. 
I just look at it. It's day one, stylistically right. similar. Like everything kind of lines up. Like the spot, I think, is just bad for Splice. So I still don't think it's likely. I just think it's way more likely than these odds. I think so. Clutch is the team. If it's if it's me, if one of the major region teams is going to lose, I think it's Clutch. That's it's Clutch. Okay. I think Splice and Dam One go three zero. Um, next but, up, yeah. we have Unicorns minus two seventy, Mammoth plus two ten. The unicorn seems like a, another parlay throw in there with unicorns at minus two seventy. Clutch plus unicorns seems pretty solid. Um, Splice minus five ten. Isurus plus three seventy. Isurus got a lot of love. I gotta say this: so like the last, so MSI and the last World Championship, uh, the com- so LATAM combined going into this season. So it's no longer Latin America North, Latin America South. It's combined full Latin America now. Mm. Um. They looked pretty good at the World Champion or at the at MSI. I, if you combine those two regions, they have just under a million player like ranked players. For comparison, NA. This is the last time I looked at these numbers, which is a while ago. For comparison, NA has about three times that. <laughs> so, the combined still a small yeah. region. Brazil has about the same number. So. Everyone's like, oh, yeah, like, there, there was definitely an uptick when they combined, right? Like, they look better. But I think don't automatically assume, oh, this is a slight uptick here. I don't think I don't think they take a game off splice. I agree. Uh, Isaris minus 130, detonation fucks me, plus 100. This is the only, like, this reasonable look. I was going <laughs> to say, this is, like, the only reasonable looking line. I'm going to go with detonation focus me here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a reasonable looking line in the second half that I'm very interested in, but... I'm probably going to go DFM here, but again, like I'm not going to have a lot of exposure to this because we don't know. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to take these teams out of context, which is what's so exciting about Worlds. So, so what you mentioned previously as well about the nation focus me is uh, echoed by Webez, uh, who I had um, a show with earlier this week, and like you mentioned, this macro is very good. He mentions that that's the same thing I'm hearing, so this is confirmation for me. Uh, which does allow them to perhaps take a game and with these against Isaris. Yeah, I like can... like DFM. If you watch DFM's games, they're smart. Like they they they're, they they look like I, I keep comparing the Korean team just because like that's how like the Korean teams tend to play. But like if you watch them play, like they don't do stupid stuff. Like they close the game exactly how they're supposed to do it. They almost never get behind. Probably because they're not playing against that many good players. I think Saros is actually really good. Their mid laner is really good. I've watched him win matchups that he shouldn't be winning. I watched him win. I think it was game two of the finals, the summer finals. He was playing Lissandra against Azir, which you have absolutely zero business doing anything in, and he like was up in that matchup. So I know he doesn't have that much competition, but like he's he's the highlight reel on that play on that team, him and uh, the eighty carry. So, but like again, like it's the player quality, so it's just a matter of of that, right? Um, I'll probably be on DFM here. This will be like one of the few bets I have. I'm gonna bet DFM both times on day one, and that's probably gonna call it a day for the play-ins for me, unless <laughs> something happens. Uh, day two, we have Mega plus three twenty, low key minus four twenty five. Does this like, I don't know. Do you think Loki gets out of this group? Because like, 
I don't think I, anybody in this group should be favored by this much over anybody, right? I hate Mega. I hated them last year too, but I don't see how anybody is plus three twenty against low key. Yeah, I agree. like I, th- I think you have to bet Mega here, like just have to. And I and I am I have Mega ranked second last in the tournament behind Mammoth, and I, I still think you have to bet Mega here. Is this like the close your eyes special? Like really, yeah. like, like cover your head? <laughs> yeah, like, I just don't <laughs> see how like. I think this is like an even matchup. I don't have a lot of respect for low key from what I've seen from them. Yeah. They're, they're, I only watched their playoff run, but I was not impressed at all. And I mean, Mega, say what you want about that about that region, but they got guys that have been playing professionally since like 2011 on their team. Yeah, like these are some these are some guys that know some stuff and have been around a long. Yeah, by the time. way, this is G4, so like, G4 and, Lloyd. and Lloyd have been around for actually. By the way, I wonder how many world championships these two guys have played in. I put like them in my. Four, right? I put it in my article. They were both on Bangkok Titans like four years ago. Like these guys have been around forever. This will be their th- fourth world championship, third world championship. I, I just Bangkok don't see Titans, it. Ascension. They were here on Ascension twice, right? I, I just yeah, I don't see how you don't take plus three twenty on Mega. I, I'm definitely betting it. I don't see how you can avoid betting it. Yeah, I'm about that. Uh <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Hong Kong Attitude minus 140, low key plus 110. That's going to be my pick of the week. I think Hong Kong Attitude. I actually had low key winning this group in my predictions, but I, th- I think Hong Kong Attitude is going to win this game. Really? So, yeah, as I, as I look into it a little bit more. So I wasn't impressed with Hong Kong Attitude at all. Like, I, so Me neither. I I'm watched, not impressed with either one of these teams. So I, I watched, like, I went back. Cause I caught a little bit of the playoffs in the LMS. And, like, admittedly, this is not a region I watched as much as I did last year. But uh, I went back and rewatched. I was actually just doing this today. I went back and rewatched the regional gauntlet mm. um, with them against G-Rex. And they definitely should have lost, like, two of those games. <laughs> <laughs> like a hundred percent. Like they were in. I think it was game two. They were up like fourteen to two. They had like a six k gold lead, and they just throw it. Like they just nearly throw it. Lovely, lovely. But lovely. again, like I don't know. Like against these teams, like it's just so hard to tell. It's so weird. Like I don't want to get baited into betting the two bettable games on this slate. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't want to get baited into it just because I should. Like it feels like you should have a stake in this one, but like I don't know. I could, I could see the Hong Kong minus 140. Like, they should be significantly better. The more that I watched the VCS, like, the less impressed I was with the VCS it's in general. Bad. Yeah, and so bad. I just don't – yeah, I'm definitely just going to take my spots against the VCS here, I think. And it's a shame, like, Calvin's not here to defend himself because I know uh, – <laughs> He loves the VCS. I know his boys are here, but, like, even, even Gigabyte Marines, man, like, I'm – they look like they're clearly way better than everybody there, but I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know, like if I show up to a if I show up to like a like a gold tournament with my diamond team or something, yeah, we're gonna shoot on everybody. But that's like what it looks like there, and I'm not comparing. I'm not comparing the VCS to gold level players, but like if you watch the just watch the VCS finals, it looks like solo queue games. They literally looked like solo queue games, and. Uh, just like none of that stuff's repeatable to me. Like this is not. There's no structure. Like they're just playing. And well, that's their hope. No, 
trying to catch them off guard. The thing is, like, everyone acts like the, the VCS, like, oh, man, this is their stick, right? This is how they get people. I just think it's bad, and they got lucky one time, and everybody thought that team was good because that team was pretty good. It's kind of similar to the LMS stories. Like, the they had one thing. Yeah, they had one really good team, and so everybody gave the whole region credit. And uh, the Gigabyte Marines, and the Gigabyte Marines that year were pretty good. Had, yeah, they had some spicy stuff, but even since then, haven't nobody really from yeah. the VCX has really been very good. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm I'm not buying it. I'm not sipping the Kool Aid. Give me Royal Youth or yeah, give me Royal Youth over any of these teams, honestly. Yep. Uh, speaking of Royal Youth, interesting one. Conflict of interest for me. Um, Royal <laughs> Youth plus six fifty. Why do they have to be in a group with Damn One? Like why? I really did not want them to be in Dam One's group. I think Royal Youth could definitely take a game from Clutch. Yeah, I do too. I think they could take a game from Splice. Maybe that's wow. a little ambitious. You guys are really high on Royal. They're they're good. Like they're really really good. I was one of the few playing teams I was really impressed with when I went back and watched them. Like, like I wasn't even that impressed with UOL, and I have them rated kind of highly. I was pretty impressed with Royal. Youth. Like, would you rather have John? Would you rather have Royal Youth or Gigabyte Marines in the in the main event? Royal Youth. Yeah, yeah. I'd Even though stylistically, Gigabyte Marines are gonna well, go aggressive on people and get them. You're talking about like cool competitiony stuff. I think Royal Youth, but uh, I actually I would rather have Gigabyte Marines for the storyline because I like Levi coming back with Gigabyte Marines. That's fair. Back to the tournament. That yeah. that storyline I want them. You're in not biased because you want to play Gigabyte Marines in DraftKings. <laughs> I want to play other. I want to play other teams against Gigabyte Marines on DraftKings. You don't want those like eighty kill games that they they average like it was like thirty four kills a game or something for the summer. It was like thirty four kills and deaths a game for but the summer I'll, season. I'll give you a crazy stat. So because of that, like I'll lead into this other thing that sometimes you just get fucking destroyed, like I did in EU Masters because Fnatic Rising was averaging thirty six kills per win. That's like insane. in all the games 36 that I could kills per win. That just them where they were averaging thirty six kills per win, and so I just rammed it into the ground playing Fnatic, and like they had some games where like the winner had twelve kills. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" These guys were averaging like they were averaging like fourteen more kills per game than the second place team. Like oh six kills for just them. Oh my god! In god. any case, so yeah, you, you they might come in here averaging crazy scores and let you down like Fnatic Rising did, but <laughs> conflict of interests. Royal Youth plus six fifty, damn one minus eleven seventy five. I'll say this: there were some look ahead lines for damn one. I think I like posted for you guys. There was like some nitrogen look ahead lines for this that had night that had damn one like minus seven thousand against some of these other teams. <laughs> so I don't. I almost want to put a lottery ticket on Royal Youth, but I just think damn one. I actually have futures on damn one to win the whole thing if they're. I think. Damn one of the kind of team where if like if things bounce right, I could I think there's a reasonable path for them winning the whole tournament. So I'm not mm-hmm. gonna bet against them losing in the play in stage. Yeah, me neither. Like Damn one defeated throughout this play in And the same matchups the next matchup's exactly the same way. I just Damn, don't see how you Damn one minus fourteen twenty. This was the one that was seven thousand on nitrogen, by the way. Hashtag <laughs> hashtag juice. Some OJ juice up in here. So <laughs> Why don't they just like not let you bet it? Like it's almost insulting. No, they actually have taken a lot of the lines down. <laughs> so uh, minus seven thousand, just insulting. Who's the coming in here? Like you know, what? I got plus seven eighty. I got fourteen thousand yeah. to lay on damn one. I would make a couple hundred bucks. Like, 
and they go down like five kills. Like, oh shh. A funny story. <laughs> while we're talking about that, just for some fun people, uh, a little story that you guys can quote to your friends. The the worst bet that I've ever heard of, as far as like results. Not talking about someone getting unlucky. Someone bet. Uh, I wish I could remember the number. It was something like one hundred forty thousand dollars on the Undertaker to win at WrestleMania. Oh my god! The year the, the year that he lost. Because he had the streak where the Undertaker's won a WrestleMania, like, I don't remember, 21 times oh in a row or something. And they assumed that he would never lose and just retire undefeated at WrestleMania. But the year that he lost, someone had bet, like, 140000 at, like, negative 20,000 odds. So they, like, they weren't even trying to win, like, any decent amount of money. They're just like, ah, oh, Undertaker's a lock. And just, like, threw away. I'll take like my 700 or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, they were just like, oh, he's a lock. I'll just pick up some free money and drop, like, $150,000 on the surprise Undertaker loss. Betting on rigged Dude. sports. Yeah. Not, not not the, the play. Dream. Not the play. <laughs> Definitely not the line you want to take there. Uh, but just funny story to tell God, you. God, that's sketchy. On the, on the wrestling? On WWE. On WrestleMania. Wrestling. I mean, I didn't even think that was bettable, but I did see. Oh, no, it's definitely bettable. Oh, it's bettable. Does People it exist? Bet, I bet on the Game of Thrones finale. I mean, shit, you can bet on stuff. That's <laughs> I definitely bet on the Game of Thrones finale. <laughs> I got close. I got damn close. By the way, <laughs> I had um. Oh my god, what was it? Uh, I had some obs- something obscene. I was like, I think I had Braun to say the last words. Oh yes, at like. Plus ten thousand or some nonsense, that and he said spoiled. the second to last words. That spoiled the ending of Game of Thrones for me because I went to go look at the. Yeah, odds. He's just like, oh yeah, okay, this was like, happening. Like brand, brand to be king at minus odds. I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Damn anyway, it! Okay. Spoiler <laughs> yeah. alert. Um, this, this is untouchable, right? Yeah, not bad. I, I'm going to lay the money, I think, with Royal Youth minus 225 against Flamengo plus 175. Yeah, I, I think that's a – I might, rather than just betting it, I might just throw it in parlays with some of the other so big favorites. So Royal plus Clutch – so Royal minus 225, Clutch minus 295 against Unicorns. Unicorns minus 270 against Mammoth looks yeah, like that parlay. And I think I might even throw – I might do that three-leg and then do a four-leg that includes Hong Kong Attitude and try to get some value yeah, there. That seems good. Or I mean, honestly, you could you could middle that and do both of that game if you wanted to. Yeah. So I'm the only one alone here on the Flamingo side, right? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so Flamingo have some players with world experience. Um. They're another one that's like kind of just like unicorns, where it's like they weren't necessarily the best team. Um, CB Law had its issues. Yeah, CB Law has its issues, but Brazil historically has been one of the emerging regions that is good. Like they're they were right there with TCL and the LCL. I could say it. I don't know. This and is, they're bringing some veterans and stuff too. I mean, Brazil's. I think is on this team too, right? Yeah, I think Isaris and Flamengo might be a little bit better than people think. I would take Isaris or Flamengo over Loki or Hong Kong Attitude. So yeah, we'll see how it Absolutely. goes. Oof. Just zero respect for the LMS. I'm with you. Going <laughs> <laughs> downhill. All right. Saucy LMS so, disrespect. For real, right? Um, okay, so all told, I mean, we really only have lines for the first two days of play-ins, but like generally speaking, uh, so who, who's getting out of this? 
the like, three major regions and whoever plays against the Group C winner. <laughs> so, like, you can't predict any further than that because you don't know who's going to play against the Group C yeah, winner. They do like another draw, right? Yeah, and, and it's random as far as I can tell. I looked around everywhere to try to figure out who who it was going to be, and I couldn't so find anywhere. They have like a structure for it. Let me try to check real quick and see if I can find anything. So. Uh, the first place teams from the group have to play a second place team, which means that there's going to be some kind of coin flipper role. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like I think anybody that finishes number two is probably going to beat Hong Kong or Loki or Mega. That was my that was my thought. Whoever the second it's place just, team, because the other three, who it is, the three second place teams, in my opinion, should be Royal Youth, Isaris, and uh, and Flamengo. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, so I'm, I I think any of those three can beat the other two so that's my thought so unfortunately the playing stage it's kind of cool because we get to see the best of the rest but that is kind of what it is at the same time so anybody uh any any players you have your eye on so if you had to pick like a if you had to pick like one team that's gonna like upset like a dark horse and like be a one seed or something for this if you had to pick one team, I think you and I are on the same thing. I don't know if Chris might disagree, but like, if you had to pick one well, team, I think honestly because of the group that Royal Youth got put in, I think if I had to pick a minor region team to win their group, it would probably be UOL. Yes, yeah, I don't even have a ton of respect for UOL, but I think Clutch is the team that could fail, as opposed to as opposed to Damwon. Like, Clutch I don't could, think Damwon. Clutch could definitely NA this. Yeah. So. That's my. If I was going to pick one to, to be a one seed, it would be UOL probably. Chris, what about you? I think he's. Uh, I think he's out. Had to had to head off. So he's recording uh, for us, but uh, I think he's out. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. So, um, let me see here. I'm with. I'm with you. Like I want to say Royal Youth, but like I. <laughs> What are the kill spreads on these damn long games going to be, man? They're going to be like minus 10 <laughs> kills because um, it's, you know, it's probably unicorns of love. And I'm not about them necessarily, but like, and you look at group B, like I, I like DFM more than most people do, but like, I don't hate Isaris either, but I think Splice probably just bodies them. It's probably, if you look at like the historic two games, I really do think it's under. Because Group C is just a crapshoot. It's definitely under because of how these groups laid out. In years past, there hasn't been, like, the easy group. There's been, like, a... It's always divvied out. Like, the major regions have had, like, a one seed in every group. And then, like, the the group that doesn't have a major region has had, like, one of the good minor region teams. In this year, Group C doesn't have any of the good minor region teams. So, it's literally just... I don't want to say it's a free win. Maybe, Maybe one of these teams... Impresses me. I don't know. I'm not betting on it, though. Yeah. Um, any players to watch from plans? I'm what not really, like, I'm not really looking at up-and-comers in the play-ins so much as I, I'm excited to see some of these old veterans that have been around for a long time. Lloyd and G4 Staya, and BRTT. Staya and BRTT, uh, Lloyd, G4. Um, Pilot? I want to see Pilot. Edward? Uh, on Royal Youth. Edward. Like there's a lot of guys who have been around for a long time that are in this play in and I want to I want to see them I want to see them play. Yeah, I'm a, a lot of guys that like if you've been, if you've been following this scene for a long time, it's just like oh yeah. One of these teams should have convinced. 
one of these teams should have convinced MLXG to come out of retirement and come play Dude. in the minor region. He'd be like a god in the minor region. I like so low key think it'd be cool as hell to see like just some company, some rich billionaire or something, just be like, "Yo, I'm gonna go over to like the LCL. I want to pay like the the hits, like the all stars, like the the all like get get a guy from Outer Knox Luna, get a guy from Pain, get a guy from Kaboom, get a guy from. Like, I just want to get mean- like. A lot of these I'm surprised that no one's these doing guys. that. I'm surprised that no one's just going to a minor region and just putting together a real team of real competitive players to just stomp the minor region and like guarantee a world spot. Like we've seen similar things in the past. Like for people that never followed StarCraft, back in the day in StarCraft, and uh, it was you, the <laughs> and it could, was the free roll. You could qualify in Korea. And then what would happen is the players that weren't good enough, the, the, all the best players were Korean. And the players that weren't good enough that were in Korea, that weren't good enough to win the Korean qualifiers, would just travel around the world and just qualify everywhere else. Yeah. And you'd go to tournaments and it'd be like ninety eight, like 60 of out of 64 people yeah. were Korean. Like, like... Representing North America, three Korean guys. Yeah, representing Europe, like... three Korean guys. Like. <laughs> And so I'm surprised there hasn't been somebody that was like, you know what, well, I'm going to pop over to the LCL and I'm going to I'm going to spend the money and buy guys from the major regions who are real prospect so guys and just stop them. Turkey has <laughs> kind of done this though, which is why like I'm and yeah. Brazil did this too. We're like but Yeah, but so many of these regions are just open for a guy to come do that if they want and make like a real so brand. The thing is like there are residency rules and I think a lot of these smaller regions have also adopted the right residency rules. So you, you would have to two. take some local guys. Yeah, so, like, I mean, if you look at Brazil, Brazil, following the Season 3 World Championships, Brazil just imported Koreans. Like, every, like all the top, like, the top four Brazilian teams had uh, had two Koreans on them. Like, Frozen played in Korea for a while. Pilot played in Korea. Like, there was all these guys that played in Korea. GBM, I think. No, GBM played in TCL. But, like, when Turkey did the same thing, Turkey was like, hey, like, they're on to something. These guys are just better, like better enough to, to overcome the language barrier. <laughs> like, yeah, you could go to Latam. You could buy their three best players from whatever team they're on, and then just import like Viper from the NALCS, and I don't know some some you know upset or somebody yeah. like that. And you could just import two of those guys and take the three best players from that region and just start a dynasty. Where like everyone in that region is voting for yeah. your team all it's the like, time. It's like gotta not be cost efficient though. Like like the more I think about it, because like, not right the- now. Like you would lose money right now, but you you would build a brand that was like so popular in that area and so like well known. I think in long term you could make money doing it. It's possible. We'll see. I don't know. Um, but anyway, so. I don't know, there's not, like, anybody in particular that I want to watch. Like, I'm kind of interested in, like you said, just, like, the veterans. Like, these guys that have been around forever. And um, I didn't have anything in particular in mind. Want to talk futures and then get out of here? Oh, futures, and then we'll do pick of the week, and then we'll get out of here. Although, pick of the week's a little shoddy this week. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got some interesting interesting futures thoughts that I All think right, people so will be surprised. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch this as... Futures for Worlds. We already talked about who we think gets out of this play-in tournament. First things for I, I'm, I'm going to do this like interview style, right? First okay. of all, do you think any of the teams that are in the play-in tournament 
make waves in the main event? Um, yes, I, I think Damwon is is capable of winning the tournament, Same. like we discussed. Uh, Splice is capable of of being annoying, and so is Clutch. Like I think both of those teams could come up and be a team that I said I think Clutch Gaming is going to decide Group C in the main event. I don't think they have any chance of getting out of that group, but I think whoever they beat between Royal and Fnatic is the team that's not making the playoffs. Like I think they come in, they take a game from one of those two teams, and the that's the team. Teams. Yes, they're going to be the team that decides the group. Even they're going to they kaboom. They're going to be the kaboom against Alliance, right? Like that's yeah. So, so I, I think I think both Clutch and Splice have the ability to do that to a group, but I don't think either one of them can get out of a group. I'd agree with that. So, really, we're talking just damn one here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, extending forward a little bit, we're gonna have another. We're gonna have more shows um, talking about the main event. We're gonna have another show next week. We haven't scheduled when yet, but we'll figure that out. Because um, the main event doesn't start until the twelfth, so. Uh, projecting forward a little bit because now's the time to talk about these. Um, any, I know you wrote an article over at Oracle's Elixir, which again I'll put in the show notes. Um, futures, thoughts, um, overarching general ideas about this tournament that you think. Um, I know I have some thoughts. I, I, I think there's one overwhelming art, like overarching concept to this whole tournament that I find fascinating. I think it's going to be the most interesting part of this tournament. And that's, I think, more than any other year, this is going to be a matchup or rock, paper, scissors dependent kind of tournament where you have a lot of teams that are good at this tournament. Um, Obviously, it's the World Championship. There's always good teams. But I think more than any other year, there's a depth of talent. Like, in years past, there were, like, two or three teams that were just vastly better than everyone, and they were overwhelming favorites to win, right? 100%. This is by far the most teams that I felt were capable of winning the World Championship yeah. ever. Like, I'm the same way. Where, like, I, I think that there is, like, the S-tier. Like, the S-tier, like, to me, the S-tier teams are, like, SKT, G2, and Fun Plus. Um, yes. I think they are, like, the co-favorites to win the tournament. But I could see Fnatic. I could see Damwon. I could see Invictus going on run. Like any of these like, mid, any of the teams in the next tier, I could totally see just getting hot and going liquid. Like, and because of that, since we're talking futures, I had eight teams that I think can win this world championship. And liquid, I had them in the ninth spot. Yeah, I don't really I, think they could win, but. It's possible they could make a court. They could make a semifinal. That's the way they I weren't in them. my. Yeah, they weren't in my like very realistic chances to win. I think there are eight teams with very realistic chances, and when you look at their odds to win, one of them stands out huge. Go all the it. rest of the teams, all the rest of the teams are like minus seven fifty or worse, or plus seven fifty or worse. He's talking about like aggregating them all together, right? Well, I, I mean, I think all the teams except for one. The best odds that you can get on them is plus seven fifty, and I think that's Damwon. Crap, I can't remember who the other one is now. Griffin, yeah, Damwon and Griffin are like they were like right in that range. All the rest of them are are worse than plus seven fifty, except Fnatic is plus sixteen hundred, and I think I think that's just such a huge vast difference in odds. Considering I think any of those teams can win, they're by far my favorite future even though I don't think they're likely to win the tournament. Like, plus 1,600 is just so much better than the odds you can get on everybody else. Yeah, yeah, they're my favorite by far. Yeah, I I think it's interesting because I I think we need to preface this a little bit with, like, 
this is futures betting, right? Um, in most things, a lot of people like sharp betters will call you a fish for doing this, but like in esports, I do think it's a little bit different, and I think futures betting can be extremely profitable. Uh, you just got to be careful not to say like, oh yeah, I think there's value in this because you can make an argument there's value in like whatever. I think Fnatic is so overwhelmingly valuable that it's worth putting a lottery ticket on just because I was like, I looked at the, the implied probability of all yeah. these teams to win from, from the odds that they got. And then before I looked at that, I created what I thought was everyone's chance to win. And people might be surprised at how those don't line up that well. Like a lot of teams that people I've seen are like, SKT, like, plus 400, like, of course SKT's got a good chance to win. But when you start looking at the implied probabilities and then you have to break those up, because at first you might think to yourself, like, SKT, probably, like, 25 27% chance to win, yeah, something when like there's that. there's, like, 18 that can you, win, it's like... Then when you start breaking it down to percentages for every team, you realize that, like, really you don't think SKT is 27% like to if, win. Like, if you think, like, let's put it this way, just, like, as a, as a quick example, like, sparing the math or whatever... If you think there's the three co-favorites have a you know twenty five percent chance each, right? You got to divvy up that seventy five percent of the pie, right? You got to divvy up that twenty five percent between the next five, six, seven teams. Between Invictus, Griffin, Damwon, Team Liquid, Fnatic, yeah. like it's it's tough to divvy up that twenty five percent between these other six teams that all are yeah. five, six teams. And maybe you don't think that's twenty five percent. Maybe it's fifteen or twenty. Like we don't know. But but if you think it's twenty, then all their odds are not very good. Yeah. Like. Like that that's the problem is like at first glance if you go I think G2 is a favorite to win the tournament and G2 is plus 400 you're like well I think they're a favorite and they're plus 400 mm-hmm. but everybody's so close this year that the implied probabilities are just not that good other than Fnatic which I think has an implied probability of something like 5% and, and if you ask yourself how often do you think Fnatic's in the semifinals I think that's pretty often yeah, like I think semifinals is where they're like likely to lose, and but if you if you're getting a team that's in the semifinals at plus sixteen hundred, you've already won. Yeah, basically, like there's just so much chance that anybody in the semifinals can win that if you're getting somebody at plus sixteen hundred that's in the semifinals, you've already won. Yeah, I think just uh, as as a, a PSA, I guess is the best way to put it. If you're gonna do futures betting. I think the best way to do it is in advance, like a long way in advance. Um, I haven't put a futures bet in for a little while, but like, I, I mean, I'll just give you guys, I'm going to, I'm going to do a blog post about this, but I'll just, I'm just going to put it on the cast. I'll give you like my full exposure on this. Right. Um, so I have one and a half units on damn one, uh, combined odds between, I think I got all yeah, I have all my shares in Dam One at plus four thousand. Just for compare yeah. so I I put the first Dam One bet, I, it was three it was three iterations. I put half a unit each over three installments. Uh the furthest one away, I put this in on July eleventh, which was shortly after the summer season started. Before they crashed and burned, admittedly. Uh they had kind of a I was doubting them phase. <laughs> uh Plus four thousand. You know what Dan one what's Dan one right now? Like just like Bovada. Plus seven fifty. Seven fifty. There you go. Like uh, huge. You already won basically. Yeah. So that, that's so, how you have to look 
look at it as if, if you made a bet at plus 4,000 and that odds are currently plus 750, you already won. Yeah, basically. so the, the way I'm looking at it, it's it's the same as like beating a line, like beating the, the ending line in like a like any other traditional sport, right? Like if you can get a couple points of value, like you've already, you know, won long term, right? You might not win that specific game, but you've won long term, right? You're going to throw some darts, you're going to miss some. I had the same exact amount of exposure on Afrika because the way I looked at it, Korea was two teams that were almost definitely going, and then there was going to be two from the rest of the pack that were going to go, and I was going to be able to get obscenely good odds on those. So I chose Damwon on Afrika to bet. I also chose EDG from China. That didn't work out, but, uh, you know. So currently, I'll say, like, based, currently what I have left um, alive. I have one and a half units on Damwon at a plus 4,000. Uh, it would be exceptional if they won. <laughs> uh, missed Afrika, missed EDG, but I only had a total of 1.75 units exposed between those two. I have one, one and a half on Fun Plus. I would double up if they won. I have half on Griffin. I would lose. I'd, I'd cut my losings in half if they won. Uh, G2, same thing as Griffin. If SKT win, I double up, but I have more exposure to them. Uh, and then I put, like, a beer on Gigabyte Marines just because they were, like, 15,000 to one. I said, okay, I can see this team going. So... Uh, I have four. Oh, Fnatic. Uh, I have Fnatic. I have Fnatic also, but uh, Fnatic is at the current odds, so not great. I have four, three of which were placed recently, and one of them that's very old. Yeah, I have um, Fnatic at 1,600, so I have the same. Yeah. I bet Fnatic at sixteen hundred. Um, I bet Griffin at seven hundred. I bet Fun Plus Phoenix at seven fifty before the group draw. Um, I thought that was I thought that was crazy that they yeah, were that I got, high. I have Fun Plus at what did I get? Fun? I got Fun Plus at ten fifty on yeah. July eleventh because I was yep. pretty sure they were going to win LPL Summer. And then my big one, I have five units. On G two at plus fourteen hundred from before MSI. Good God, I got seven hundred. That was the best. And thing I'm ever. honestly, at the time, I was like, I can't believe these odds aren't better. And now I feel really good about it. But like at the time, <laughs> I was like, how am I not getting like at least two thousand? And then they won MSI, and their odds have not been good ever since then. So, yeah, so uh, I, I think we we kind of talked a little bit about it, but like, so like that's just our general futures. Layout, well, not general. Like that's my specific features layout, so you know what I've got out there. But uh, I, we we mentioned that it's kind of a rock paper scissors tournament. Any other things to add on? We're gonna do. We're gonna have more content coming out before yeah. the main event starts. But just like before any of this happens, anything you want to add on to this? Because before we get out of here, in the pick of the week. Not really. Just that this is the best like world championship for me almost for sure this is going to end up being the best world championship we've ever had. And there's going to be some six series. I'm just super excited for it. Yeah. I, it's funny. I, I feel like I end up saying that every year and like, I got to like check myself. I was like, dude, really? Like, do you really think that? Or is it just like every, but like really like it is the world championship has been exceptional the last like few years. Uh, really? I want to say ever since SKT won their last one, but like, really it has been like, it's been, it there's been, been a lot of parody. And I think more than any of the years, Definitely more than the last two years. There's way more parity this year. Like, we have, like, really, there's three, to, to me, there's three, there's definitely at least three co-favorites in this tournament. And you can make yeah. arguments for way more than that. And yeah. any of those three could lose. Yeah. 
but that's the the great part is that any of those eight teams, there's literally not one matchup that you tell me that the result went either way, and I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. Like any of them. Like you tell me RNG beat SKT. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. That's probably like the one of the most lopsided matchups that could be put there, and I wouldn't yeah. be that surprised if RNG beat SKT. Absolutely not. Like, all right. So awesome. we'll do. Uh, well, I have one more question. Okay. And I meant to ask this to the other two, but. So who's winning this tournament before before any of it starts? Who's winning this tournament? Oh, your uh, style, old school John style, gun to your head. Who's winning this tournament? Who's yeah, winning the world championships? I think, um, I I power ranked G two, and uh, I know a lot of people don't want to hear that right now. A lot of people are are saying they're <laughs> overhyped, but the thing for me with G two is that well, what I said in my power rankings that I think is true is they can be out a lot of thinged by other teams but they almost always win every other metric. So like if they're playing up against a team that has better individual skill, they're generally the better uh, adapting team. They're the better drafting team. They're they're, they're going to play against some teams that outdraft them, but they're likely the better adapting team, the better skilled team. Like almost every matchup that they come into, they lose one thing and win two or three things against whatever team they're playing. And so I think that they're definitely beatable. Every team in this tournament is super beatable. All these top eight. But I, I'm going to give G2 a very slight edge. I think G2, what's so fascinating about this team is their on-the-fly problem-solving is better than, like, any team I've ever seen. And they're, like, one of the only teams in this group, like, of that eight teams, that can just bust out completely bizarre draft problems that other teams have a problem solving. Like, they, and they improvise. Edge. Yeah, all that stuff is, like, they have edges over almost everybody in that. And so even if they're outskilled, which they will be, like they, they just have too many other things going for them for me to root against them. And the crazy thing is too, like I, I don't even necessarily think that they're going to be outskilled a lot of the time. Like this is just five ballers. Like they're just good players. Like it's, I, I think, and I know it's been overhyped, and I know people are beefing with like the EU coverage and or the LEC coverage and all that. But and like, it was bad. Like, but I, I mostly agree with you, by the way. But like, I really sincerely think that there's a reasonable argument that, that Yankos might be the best player in the world right now. Just like the way he's played this entire calendar year. Cause think about this. And I know, I know G2 have like good players and that like you could make the argument that, Oh man, when you have lanes that good, he doesn't need to do that much. I want you to watch G2 games and just follow what Yankos does. He covers up so many mistakes that that team makes. And hearing from the coaches, of Fnatic, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It was the last podcast we did. We talked about this, like hearing Grabs and Young Buck and like all these coaches for Fnatic and G two and everything say that, like, like without hesitation, that he's the best player. To me, that means something, right? Yeah, it definitely means and something to me. I, I like Carsa's unbelievable too. I think Carsa covers up a lot of mistakes for RNG. Uh, you can point to any number of the solo laners in this tournament: Chovy, the Shy, Faker. Like, there's it, there's so many good players. I'm so happy that we're going to get to see so many just insanely good players in this tournament too. And and the West has some this year. Yep. Like Liquid's been incredible too. So yep, well, they got one of the best bot lanes in the tournament. And you're we're talking about maybe the meta going a little bit more bot lane. That's Team Liquid's biggest thing they got going for them. So Double lift Caitlyn, dude, it's a real thing. I know people mm-hmm. don't think of it, but. All right, so um, pick of the week. Uh, I got Chris's here. So Chris is going Flamingo plus 175 against Royal Youth. Um, I went Hong Kong Attitude minus 140 against Low Key. 
Uh, I'm gonna go. What did I say before? Uh, well, if you're I'll, gonna bet DFM, like DFM I'm gonna go, against, D, I'm gonna go DFM plus 100 against Cicerus. Yeah, that makes the most sense to me yeah, for your bet. So, um, I'm assuming. What what would Cal be on? We gotta put something over him. Uh, Cal would key. be on low key. Plus one ten against Hong Kong, the opposite of my side. Yeah, probably. They're an underdog. Yeah, I think I think Cal I think Cal would pile in on low key against Hong Kong. So, all right, cool. Um, I have one other thing because I forgot. Uh... And Zing would be on Flamengo against Dam One. I got to ruin Zing's score. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, I forgot because I didn't type it in because I'm an idiot. Uh. So we did have one more. So we had some listener questions um, that I think we could just dip on real quick um, before we sign off here. Uh, Carlito, at Carlito Space 18 asks, should I be hedging G2 bets that he placed a long time ago? That's Harvey's question. Um, oh, Harvey did the same. Oh, did I mix these two up? Yeah, well, the other one just got erased. Carlito's question was, is oh, do you guys think wildcard regions? I just I I are going to make the main event, and the 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 big problem with that question is that yes, one of them will one hundred percent because four teams are coming in from the plan and only three are major regions. So yes, a emerging region. If you're counting the LMS as a major region, I still think the emerging an emerging region team will make the main event. I mean, technically, technically, they already did, right? Gigabyte Marines already made. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I do think that an emerging region team will make the main event. One of them. Well, they have to literally because yeah. But I mean, if, even if you're counting LMS as a as a major region, I still think an emerging region team will make the main event by beating Hong Kong Attitude. So Loki is making the main event. You think? <laughs> I, d- I doubt. Yeah, High key, Loki is making the... <laughs> the second seed from Group A, B, or D will make the main event, in my opinion. All right, Harvey says, should he hedge G two? Um, I already talked to him about that. I think if you have – he has G2 at plus 1,000, and I said I thought the smart move there is put one unit on FPX, one unit on SKT. That way you're profitable no matter who wins, and you can still have really good odds on G2. So I think that was the play there. Um, got this from a, a PM. Um, just general expected late early game tier champions. We kind of we kind of covered this in the past. Yeah, game, I think we did. But uh... – I'll actually ask for elaboration on this because it's pretty general, and I'll try to get back to it next week. So, I think generally speaking, game will speed up and then slow down. Whereas most of this calendar year, it was just speed up and then just end. Like it would just keep going, and, and it once the tempo got going, it was like a like a like a avalanche. Like once it started getting downhill, it was going. I think we're gonna get to a spot now where. I think the outer towers are going to go down, and then maybe the ARAM happens. You might see slightly more one-sided games, too, because one thing people might have forgotten, because we've been in kind of the new meta for a while now, is when 80 carries are the focal point of the composition, more fights end like 5 for 0 or 4 for 0 instead of like 3 for 3. When when 80 carries are not as strong, the death balls collide into each other and lots of people die. Yeah. But when eighty carries are fed, a lot of the time the the front line just walks in at yeah. front lines, and the eighty carry just kills everybody. Yeah. Or if you have a fed tank that's not going to die, you're not losing that fight. Exactly. Yeah. So we might see more lopsided games, but well, games that it could be games that like look lopsided as well. Like I think when you have, I, I'm not saying it's going to be necessarily an eighty carry centric meta. I'm just saying that when you have 
picks like Caitlyn and Ash that can just shove and get plates earlier that the lane phase in bottom lane ends a lot sooner, which is actually less conducive to scaling 80 carries. So maybe we see a little bit less of that. But again, this is all prognostication on patch, which is really hard to do. Um, and it could just go any number of directions too. Like maybe the maybe the the scrim meta game is just completely opposite of that, and everyone's just like not even playing eighty carries. Like who knows? So, um, run a little bit long. Obviously, there's a lot to get to tonight. Um, we're probably going to be doing another show. I would say next week. We haven't picked a day yet, but uh, the main event doesn't start until the twelfth. So we'll probably record. I would guess sometime during the week next week or next weekend, something like that. Yep, uh, I think so probably be more settled on who is in the main event and we'll be able to have the groups and more definitively lay out who's going there um anything for a sign off tonight i I have just like a very basic one which is just the world championship's awesome this tournament's going to be amazing like there's so much parity all the way throughout it besides the plans uh the main event is going to be nuts i would say I'm going to say this because I've had to have this conversation a million times already. Group stage for the World Championship is a six-game sample size. That is not very big. Don't draw your conclusions for the next calendar year based on six games. Don't say Liquid or Choke Artist because they lost one game in a harder group. Don't say Cloud9 or Gods. Can you tell what I was butthurt about here? Because (laughs) don't say Cloud9 or always the team that comes through. We're certainly going to get – we're going to dive into – I'm going to dig into Cloud9 next for you. We're going to get into that. But uh, just enjoy it. The World Championship, it's like it's like the NCAA tournament, right? Uh, this is a TV show that I, I've watched that says, like, for people like us, this is like an orgy with, like, all the – anything you could ever possibly imagine, right? That's what this yeah. is. Enjoy it. Don't get pissy or mad about it and just, like, enjoy everything about it because the World Championship is fucking awesome. And uh, for mine, I'm going to say I'm, I am the esports plug, and so I'm going to plug something here, which is <laughs> if you haven't had a chance to to look at them yet, I do really highly recommend looking at the articles I wrote for Oracle's Elixir. Definitely. Not only not only because I think the articles are good, but because Oracle's Elixir is one of the best stat sites. I've been using it forever, and I'm super excited to have my articles on there in particular because I, I really think that site has a lot of value. And so if you're not already using Oracle's Elixir, I'm not just plugging it because I write for them. They don't pay me to talk about them. They're literally one of two or three sources I've used for the last few years to play DFS, and I'm really excited to have some articles on there. So I, I've been check using those Oracle, out if you I've been using Oracle's Elixir for years, by the way. Like I, the same thing. Yeah. I use it. It's during, during the season. I use it probably every day. So yeah, literally, um, yeah, good stuff over there. John's now got articles up there. I'll put uh, I'll put links to all the articles John's uh, put up there so far on the show notes. I think you got you said one more coming out. Yeah, there's three so far, and there'll be one more. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I think that's it for now. Enjoy the play and stage. Starts Wednesday morning. Uh, if you guys have any other questions, thoughts, comments, concerns, hit us up on Twitter. Questions regarding the main event, uh, I'll probably put a reach out again um, next week sometime before we record the next show uh, about any questions you guys might have for main events once we have everything settled. Uh, enjoy the play and stage, and best of luck out there. Best of luck, everybody. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.